Hey everyone, just me at the top of the show to say a few things about why this is not a new episode of 100% Hits. So um, every year, if you were listening to Don't You Know Who I Am, I always give myself a break in the middle of the year, uh, and I thought this is this is the perfect time. Uh, so what you're going to hear now is an episode I did of Pod Machine over on the Patreon. Uh, so if you want to listen to more of these kind of episodes, go to patreon.com slash dykwia. That's patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-R-A. So this one is with the very, very funny Cameron James. Also, this week, if you're in Melbourne, I'm doing shows at the Comics Lounge. Uh, it is, uh, I'm hosting great lineup of comics uh, every night. So that's in North Melbourne. Go to joshshow.com.au if you want to get a ticket. I'd love to see some listeners of the show. Out see me do stand up. Um, and then, I think that's all I need to say. I'm gearing up to do a brand new show in next year's festival seasons. And hopefully I get to do that in both Perth, Adelaide and up in Brisbane as well as Melbourne. And uh, Sydney, I'll come up in the year. Um, cool. That's all I need to say. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy this episode. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Gonkies, and welcome to Pod Machine, the Patreon only podcast where I, Josh Earl, sit down with a buddy and we discuss the songs from Hit Machine today. It's returned guest. Please welcome. It's Cameron James, everyone. Yay. Hey, pleasure to be here. And uh, just in advance of this episode to anyone listening, the list that we are about to go through is honestly one of the most psychotic lists of songs <laughs> I've ever even seen written down, let alone listened to in order. So well, this is going to be interesting, I think. We're doing side B of volume 11. Last week we had Grace Jarvis who got, I think we got four, four out of 10 songs. Mm. She said we're hits. Mm-hmm. Let's see if there's any more on this one. So the year's 95. How old are you in 95, Cameron? Uh, eight. Eight? Oh, that's nice. You, you mm. know some of these songs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's a couple in particular that I have strong emotional feelings about. And then others that I'd never heard of in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well... There's a bunch of them who have been on the podcast already, yep. as in like the performers, not the songs. And so it is, I think, I feel this one is a, all right, we've had their big hit. We better help them out with the follow-up hit. Sure. Yeah. One of those ones. Even kicking off with the very first song on side B, which is the rapper named after the sentient Volkswagen. This is hmm. Herbie, the follow-up to Right Type of Mood, a, a song that listeners were annoyed that Kyron Wheatley didn't, in fact, say was a banger. I agree with the listener. This is the follow-up from his album, Fingers. This is Ooh. I Believe. Fingers. I believe, I believe in a better world. A better mm. world is what I believe in. A lot of mercy. I do now. Um, yeah. I was on the brink before, but this song has pulled me back. 
<laughs> now, uh, what do you what are your instincts on this song right away? Because mine, to be honest, are uh, this is so by the numbers, yeah, you, Euro beat kind of shit. But yes. I still can't help but get kind of sucked into the. Well, rhythm. this is f- from the big Swedish monster house of production, Sharon Studios. It's sure. Dennis Pop, Max Martin, mm. who went on to do so yeah. much stuff. Herbie was yeah. involved, and it there's a reason why they were f- popular because they mm. understood. All right, this is what's going to get people dancing. Yeah, I'm a so bit of a Dennis Pop was a club DJ himself, so he he knew that's what he was going. He was just going, I'm going to edit in the clubs, a bit like a comic, and I'm going to try and see what people move to and just yeah. stick to that. They're kind of geniuses. I've watched a bit of a, I've watched a documentary on those guys and I'm a bit obsessed with Max Martin. He's like a mathematical pop genius where he just thinks literally in terms of counting out beats and syllables. And even though that's kind of soulless, you can't argue with it. Like they, they make you want to move pretty much every song he's touched. Yeah. Well, Herbie was on the ground floor. He, he and Dennis Pop were good friends and worked together a lot. Uh, Herbie has a huge career of working for other artists still to this day. He's still out there working for other artists. So we talked about him last time. Now I want to talk about the female vocals in this one, mm. which is by a woman called uh, Nana Heden, uh, who went by the stage name by just Nana was her yeah. name. If she was an Australian tribute act, yeah, <laughs> Nana. <laughs> but she was backing vocals on tracks from... People like Celine Dion, Britney Spears, Ace of Base, Aqua, if they oh. like, so Dennis Pop or Max Martin yeah. got her in. Just... I would have guessed Ace of Base at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And she also featured vocals on Dr. Alban, uh, Look Who's Talking. And in her home country, though, she's most known for uh, being the uh, chorus on a lot of the songs by a producer called E-Type, who worked with her for 10 years. Uh, she even performed for the King of Sweden at the mm-hmm. Swedish Sport Awards in 97. <laughs> That's great And I've not looked into the S- Swedish Sport Awards in 97 But I'm going to say Stefan Edberg cleaned up It was, it was <laughs> Stefan Edberg's year I have been to Sweden My brother lives in Sweden oh, And nice. uh, so I've been to Stockholm And I've travelled around Sweden a little bit Seen the sights And I went onto uh, this island in the middle of Stockholm Where the king of Sweden and his children, I guess, live And I think I've said this, have I said this to you before? There's only two mansions on this one island in the middle of Stockholm. One is owned by the Swedish royal family. The other is owned by Bjorn from ABBA. Great. And it's just those two dudes living on this private island. So that that country just is obsessed with pop music. They they treat them like royalty and uh, Nana should be a, I don't know, some kind of duchess. Well, here's here's some... um some sad news about uh, Nana. So in 99, she was diagnosed with tongue cancer. No. She'd been to a whole bunch of specialists who had misdiagnosed her. And then in 2009, she finally got a doctor with, no, you've got tongue cancer. But by this stage, it was stage four. No. Uh, so the tumour was life-threatening at the time. But she did survive and she had lots of radiotherapy, but it means that she can't sing anymore. And she has this thing, it's called osteoradionecrosis. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like jawbone death because of the radio- radiology. So they she, she can't really talk that well. Oh, uh, that's of jaw. so sad. Yeah. And so, so uh, last year, there was a huge big GoFundMe to save Nana's voice. And oh, um, yeah, God. for re- reconstructive surgery. So fans all over the world were helping donate uh, to raise. And the fundraising still going to this day. So, you know, if you're listening and you, and you loved her vocals on this song, I believe, you can go and look up. And save her voice. I mean, it sounds like she's uh, her legacy will live on, like in in all these songs. If she's recorded for ten years with these guys and yeah. appe- and sung hooks, that's crazy. That's so yep. good. Yeah, and they also have Dennis Pop Awards every year in Sweden. Mm. And a few years ago, she won the MVP, uh, which was yeah. like the big prize, almost like Hall of Fame. So you know, that's so good. Yeah, she's good. She's good. Herbie, I like you too. All right, moving on. A band. Oh, we've talked about them before. I th- may have even talked about them with you when they were called Jam and Spoon. This is the side project of Jam and Spoon. This is when they went by the names Trancy Spacer and Spacey Trancer. This is Tokyo Ghetto Pussy. And they're the radio edit of I Kiss Your Lips. <laughs> Tokyo 
95, we didn't really know much about ADHD, but I reckon yeah. every kid who loved this song <laughs> is this. Would you? Is this drum and bass? I don't know what it is. It's Ritalin, though. It's like yeah. It's too much for me, and this is the part I hate the most. It's about to happen. We're in three, four now. Yeah. <laughs> Tackle Bell's Cannon. Oh. All right. That's all we need. Too much. Yeah, it's too much for me, really. Like, it's just too harsh. That kind of really harsh drum and bass I can't handle. And then that, like, I mean, you said it so perfectly, ADHD, like, yep. switch into... The three, four waltz of Paco Bell's Cannon makes me fucking want to puke. <laughs> well, do you know what's what's so weird? We talked about Paco Bell's Cannon last episode because Scatman John mm. from I'm a Scatman, he had a follow-up single called Scatman's World. They played it on this one. And that also uses Paco Bell's Cannon. Do you want to I'll, I'll play yeah, it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> This is, yeah. Anyway, we played that last, yeah. That's um, an amazing, amazing They made song. it 4-4. Four, four. That's, yeah. um, that's, that song really just must be the most overused in pop song writing, yep. right? Isn't that, yep. that's what that Access of Awesome um, four yeah, chords four chord thing song. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just, uh, I mean, look, it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful combination of, of music, of notes and chords, yeah. but fuck. You know who would have studied it? Max who? Martin, he would have studied it. He'd yeah, he would have right, been like, this what, is what perfect. Doing? This is the yep. perfect song. I don't know what accent this is. <laughs> this is the perfect song. I love it. <laughs> well, I Kiss Your Lips got to number eight in Australia. How? How? We love, we love this kind of stuff. We, the Dutch we do it even have an more. obsession with this shit, don't we? We love just yeah. novelty dance crap. It's so yep. bizarre. Especially so in the 90s. The Dutch, the... it got to number three. No. The yeah. Dutch are fucking mental. And it was, Tokyo get a... Pussy, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Cam, has not aged well. Even the cover art on all their stuff is this kind of naked cartoon baby yeah. with like puffy nipples and you can like the outline, like the lines of a vagina. So it's completely naked. And so the cover of this, she's sitting, her legs splayed and the words, I kiss your lips are coming out from her kind of where her vagina is. Yeah, Evolver, I'm, look, I should I'm say. looking at it. I just Googled this. I reckon I'm getting on some kind of list <laughs> what? Just, just for looking at it. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck is this? It's like she's farting out yeah. the name of the song. <laughs> it's so bizarre. <laughs> this whole fetishizing of Japanese culture, it's always been weird. Because um, remember, yeah. this, the chorus of this does sound a little bit like when Janet from Spider Bait and Quan from Regurgis had, had Happy Land. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved Happy Land. Um, well, I, I had a podcast named after one of their songs. So yeah, and, and yeah. The, I think this. Yeah, I was thinking of Happy Land uh, while I was listening to it, but I can I find Happy Land more palatable. I don't know why. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just less, a little bit less harsh. Yeah. Well, and the, sing, the, a bit more sing songy and maybe yeah. a bit jokier. I don't know. The person who fetishized Japan the most infamously was Gwen Stefani. Oh yeah. Who I don't know if you know. A month ago. In a in a interview with Allure magazine, said I'm Japanese, even though she's not Japanese. Her heritage is oh, Irish Italian. You can't but, say that. <laughs> well, she, this is why she said she was Japanese, <laughs> because she said because her dad worked for Yamaha when she was growing up. Yeah, fair enough. So she, so she was influenced by the culture so much that she now thinks that she is Japanese. <laughs> think that counts where did your dad work growing up <laughs> he was a civil engineer so i identify as i don't know on the spectrum yeah. i don't know <laughs> but that's crazy you can't like 
What he's her dad made motorcycles or keyboards yeah. or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> If your dad worked for La Porchetta, I am Italian. Yeah, I'm nah. Italian. I don't think so. I don't think so, Gwen. Remember when she had those um, four, like, kind of geisha girls that she yeah. surrounded herself by? Yeah. Love, Angel, Music, and Baby. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. The whole, she had, like, this little posse. They didn't even have their real names. No. They had to dress the same. It was bizarre. Is Gwen Stefani cancelled? Let's cancel this one. <laughs> Let, uh, let's see. She might be coming up on the podcast. I might have to listen to some. I, I reckon I'll listen to some. No doubt, very yeah, soon. I no reckon doubt. Don't Speak's going to be on here. Oh, you or, know what? I got no. I got no problem with that song. It's a, quite a pretty yeah. little song. <laughs> it's good. All right, let's move on yeah. from Tokyo Ghetto Pussy. This is. <laughs> Thank God. This is a group. Their name is French for the mouth. This is yes. Be My Lover by La Bouche. La, da, da, di, da, da. The gist of that song is the uh, the other hook in that song that comes later is that the um ah hi yeah I want to be yeah. my lover. It's exactly it. Pretty good. <laughs> it's really catchy. It's really catchy. Look, so, that song takes me to a time and place. It takes me to um, swimming lessons when I was seven or eight, I guess. And yep. they would blast like top forty music in the swimming. Like in, it was all in a big warehouse place, like a big shed, yep. a weather shed with a pool in it, and they would blast top forty. And I just have distinct memories of like this woman, this woman who was teaching me how to swim, her fingernails digging into my arms while she was teaching me how to dog paddle or whatever. While that song was blasting, and I'm drowning in the water. It takes me that's, back to a really visceral time and place. That's so funny because my kids. Uh, well, one of them's eight now, and the other mm. one's 11. When they were doing swimming lessons, the drive from our house to the swimming pool was about 15 minutes, mm. and they would choose songs to play in the car. Yeah, right. And every time now the White Stripes come on, because mm. that's the song that my oldest was choosing, my kids would go, Oh, this reminds me of going swimming. <laughs> and so when they listen to Seven Nation Army, they're like, Oh, this is, a, it's like we're going swimming again. <laughs> Must be something as a kid about going swimming, because I remember I, the pool being so much of my life as well growing up, yeah. just going to the pool. Was it like yeah. a, tra- a traumatic thing or a fun thing? It was a, a babysitter, really. My parents would drop us off there in summer holidays and go off from work. Yeah, And they right. said, if you get tired of being at the pool, just walk to your nan's house, which is like 10-minute walk away. Shit. Yeah, That's and sometimes so nan wasn't home. Sometimes nan was down the pokies. And so <laughs> me and my older brother had to break into my nan's house. And she'd, <laughs> she'd lock, she had, like, we could break into where the laundry was, but the laundry door was locked as well. Mm. And so we'd have to sit there. I remember sit once we were sitting, sitting there for like f- three hours <laughs> waiting for Nan to come back from the pokies. I remember her coming in going, get off the tiles, you'll get piles. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why piles were something. Piles. That, I think if you, she thought if you sit on cold cold ground, yeah, you'll get piles. Your asshole piles. gets little lumps on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Nan, you've been sitting at the pokies for <laughs> six hours. If anyone's got she, piles. She used to always win too. If she won, she'd give us all 50 bucks. It was a good... Good time. Oh, dude, I wish I grew yeah. up with you. That would have been yeah, awesome. When she died, we went through it. She she had a like just a drawer in a house just full of cash. What the fuck? Yeah, she used to, she used to love playing Kino as well. And this was a thing. She'd put like on like 100 games or something like that in a day, but only pick two numbers, one and 80. And then she'd go off and do the, do the pokies, Jesus come back Christ. at the end of the time. How, how'd I go? Sometimes she won, sometimes she didn't. But that was a one and 80. Well, I guess what else are you going to do when you're a bit older, you know? Yeah, yeah. You may as well just, like, flit away your uh, children's inheritance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about Labouche. So this yeah. was, um, it was formed in 94, 
and it was the brains of Frank Farian, who is the infamous mastermind behind Millie Vanilli. He was the voice of Millie oh, Vanilli. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. That's so, so fascinating. Yeah, so wow. we got some DJs, uh, Uli Brenner and Amir Saraf, to work on the music with him. And then American vocalists, Lane McRae, who was the rapper who we didn't get to, and Mel Thornton, who was the voice. Mm. Uh, so she was to be the face. So the duo was the face. So on the things it says LaBouche is a duo, but they're a duo the same way that Annie Donna are a trio. There's actually more There's members. There's more behind the scenes. Wow, that's so yeah. funny. Yeah, so this got to number one in Germany and Sweden. Uh, yeah. Then it blew up in America, got to number one on the dance charts, and in 96 was the most played song on radio in America. Shit. Yeah. Got to number two here and was the 18th highest selling single of the year. Uh, flash forward to November 2001. Mel Thornton, she'd left LaBouche and was concentrating on her own solo work. She was still getting lots of work as guest vocalist for Dance Acts and had just signed this big gig singing the song called Wonderful Dream, brackets Holidays Are Coming, which is going to be used in a Coke commercial, the Christmas Coke commercial in Germany. And she had her own album that was about to be re-released after, because of all the back of this, like, you know, press she was getting for being the Coke singer. And it was called Ready to Fly. And so to do all these promos, she was traveling in a private jet at the expense of Coke. But one night on the 24th, the light air crash, a light aircraft crashed and all 24 members on board died. Uh, and the song, Wonderful Dream, went to number three on the singles charts off the back of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. The fuck? So, Mel I'm Thornton. Looking, I'm looking her up right now. She was 34. Yeah, so young. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's two two singers so far with pretty bad bad futures. After <laughs> and we're only song. on song three. We're we're only on song three. Seven more to go. Okay. <laughs> Hey, we've talked about this person before as well. This song is not on Spotify or any of the streaming services. You have to go and what, uh, listen to it on YouTube. Yep. But this I, is a song. I, I remember. That. I remember this song like so much in my childhood. This is Jackie Graham and the song "Absolute Essential," spelt <laughs> like we're about to have some sex. Here we go. <laughs> So many songs have that piano yep. in this era, don't they? Uh, and this exact piano tone. Yep. Ooh, baby, baby, there's something I've been looking for. Catchy chorus, I'll give it that. It's very, very catchy. catchy. I'd I'd never heard this song before. So you have like strong memories of this. I remember this song. Yeah, I don't know why because I looked it all up and it didn't really do well. It went fifty four in Australia, sixty nine in the UK. That's it. But maybe this hmm. CD was kicking around in my social circles in ninety five. But I remember, it, yeah, I remember this song because I remember the the chorus mainly, hmm. and it was also released. On my 14th birthday, June 26th, uh, it got to uh, number three on the Billboard dance charts. So it was, you know, pretty big in America. Hmm. But here's the crazy thing about this song that ties in a bunch of other songs on, this, on these compilations. So the first few episodes of these podcast series, Cameron, we're talking a lot about a band called Euphoria, which is an Australian band that had a guy called Andrew Klippel was the, the mastermind behind it. Hmm. They, they did their own little Millie Vanilli where they had like, one of the, the backing singer was beautiful. So for the film clip, it made her look like she was the actual singer, where the actual uh-huh. singer was hardly in the film clip. Sure. That didn't do well with the band. They kind of broke up after that. But he went on to perform uh, 
as a group called AK Soul, hmm. which you talked about a few weeks. Well, he wrote this song. He produced this song for oh, Jackie wow. Graham after she had a hit with Chaka Khan's classic Ain't Nobody. And I don't know, he must have some dirt on the Sony executives because he's on so many of these. Like AK Soul did nothing. He was involved with another group, did nothing. Uh, Euphoria had hits, but then they were all their songs are on these compilations. It's like, it was just, obviously he knew someone there or he was just a good guy. They were like, this guy's got to get, he's got to catch a break. He's got to have some hits after Euphoria broke up. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking up this guy right now and it looks like he's, uh, he's worked with a lot of other musicians as well. Human Nature, The Veronica's, Holly Valance, The Vines. I feel like he must've been a bit of a ghostwriter during this era and worked kind of secretly behind the scenes with a lot of people. Yeah. That's great. What a crazy career. Honestly, that's, I mean, from this song to The Vines to Holly Valance. Yeah. That's a fucking, like a smorgasbord <laughs> of different tastes, isn't it? <laughs> it's really, I really like hearing or discovering these kind of guys who, you know, you think, oh, one hit wonder in 91. And then you go, oh no, they've got a 40 year career off the back yeah. of this stuff yeah i'm a sucker for guys like that too the guy from new radicals um i can't remember his name but i'm a i like that his career just continued and he won an oscar a few years ago just for songwriting i love that stuff all right moving on to another song that you cannot find anywhere this is called hoops incorporated is the band the song is called joy Mm -hmm. it's not on spotify it is on youtube it's had 153 views four of them are me (laughs) zero comments here it is joy brackets a new world anthem you are about to experience a new world anthem please remain dancing for the entire duration Glitch, in, indie glitch pop. Oh. Disgusting. That's all we need to know. That was horrible. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell, make me fall in love with this song. I want you to tell me something <laughs> that'll make me fall in love with this song. It right credited, now, I hate it, it. It is credited as being written by Steve Hooper, who mm-hmm. on Discogs. Hoops. This is this is his only credit. This is the only thing he's ever worked on. What? Yep. So and did he not- just produce one song in his career? Well, the only thing that's been like released. Shit. Yep. So he's got a little. Uh, link on Discogs, you click it, just this song. That's it. Oh, and wow. the other uh, credit, uh, creator of it is a guy called Simon Lewicki, whose biggest credit is under the alias of Groove Terminator. Mm. And his biggest credit under that is he wrote the theme song for The Block. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> That's what I love. <laughs> That's great. All right, now I like it. Yep. That's the so, exact bit of information I needed. Yep. <laughs> so the guy, the song uses Ode to Joy, uh, Symphony yep. No. 9 by Beethoven as foundation. Now, this is considered Beethoven's finest work. Uh, many scholars saying it's the finest classical work ever. So much so that the sheet music, the written sheet music, is in the UNESCO Memory of the World program. Now, mm. this is a program which was launched to safeguard the documentary heritage of humanity against collective amnesia, neglect, the ravages of time, and climatic conditions. Which begs the question, Cameron, mm-hmm. if the world gets amnesia, mm-hmm. what are we going to do with sheet music? No one knows how to read sheet music. <laughs> I'll be like, <laughs> well, is this some kind of letter? What is this? <laughs> a bunch of dots and lines. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? They should what have just put a recording CD in there. It? Yeah. <laughs> um... Is Ode to Joy the um, 
the piece of music that was later used as the um, Everybody Loves Raymond opening title sequence. Oh, was it? Maybe. I think so. I think it's Ray running to in slow motion to hide from his parents. Try and lock the door. <laughs> then yeah. the hand comes through. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, I think so. The post box, yeah. <laughs> Great. Great intro. Great intro. <laughs> um, I was looking into the UNESCO Memory of uh, World Pro- Memory of the World Program. There are five items from Australia in there. Okay. We have the Endeavour Journal of Captain James Cook. Boo. The Marbo Case Papers. Okay. The Convict Records of Australia. Interesting. The Story of the Kelly Gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And the single bloke by Chris Franklin. <laughs> no. Shut up. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, is that going to appear on any of these hit machines? Sure is. <laughs> yes. Please, have, can I, please can I be on that? We have both the uh, bitch, yep. the source material, yep. and, and bloke, the parody. That's amazing. Coming, coming on. Um, and I believe she gets paid for both. Um, yeah. So, yeah, good honour. I don't think Chris gets paid at all. Money to Meredith Brooks. No, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the fifth one is the manifesto of the Queensland Labor Party because oh. they were the first Labor government ever elected in the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So that's that's what's in there. But And yeah. so what is this thing? This I've never even heard of this. Is it like a time capsule that... Yeah. And there's just, like different things from all over the world people kind of submit and unesco go yeah that is important that we keep that just for what is humanity what yeah. what can we say and so the sheet music for ode to joy symphony number no. nine or symphony number no. nine is in there and do they do one every year or what i don't know i think i think something has to happen that is important enough to go yeah that's going in <laughs> so there'd be like librarians there just going right this is great the, I wonder if you can petition. You might be able to petition to get something put in there. What podcast? What podcast is going in there? <laughs> Just anything but the little dum dum club, please. Let's not let's not the put Gal- that in there. The Gallagher, Gallagher episode of WT. <laughs> yeah, that would get in when there. He out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Crazy. Um, all right. So that's that's Hoops Incorporated. Well, it was awful. Um, sorry to hear that Stephen Hooper didn't go on to anything else, but I'm happy to hear that his buddy is still getting paid from the block all these years yep. later. It's, it's 7 o'clock. It's time to get paid. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. (laughs) All right, here we go. Someone who's been on the podcast so many times you know what she even had a song on the first half of this album which i'm not sure you can do when you're compiling compilations but she did it because she's kylie minogue here Mm. is kylie minogue with where is the feeling Yeah. 
Well, this is a genre that I've never heard of this genre before called Handbag House. Oh, what's that mean? What, give me well, some context. It was uh, popular in the gay clubs. Uh, it was a, a song, a house song that had female vocals, breakdowns and piano stabs. Yeah, okay. And it was a derogatory term because they said it was the type of song where the women will put their handbags in the middle and just dance around them. Oh, right. Yeah. Look, I mean, like, it's... um. I'd never heard that phrase before, but these those like stabs and this kind of, you know, divery voice going on. It it feels so nineties club music, and some yep. of it's really fucking good. Yeah, you know, I don't know the name of the singer, but that finally this has happened to me. CC Paston. Sure, yeah. Songs like that are really great, but this one. The verses are so boring. That melody yeah. is nothing. And unfortunately, Kylie just ain't bringing it. No, well, the the public agree with you because it only got to 31 here in Australia, which was her lowest selling single ever until she released In My Arms in 2008, which didn't do much either. Yeah, right. Uh, and for the promotion of the song, she had uh, red hair. Not the, not the blonde that we knew because yeah. she was in the process of filming Biodome with Paulie Shaw and Stephen Baldwin, a film uh, that is important because it was the first time Tenacious D ever performed on screen together. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> yep. Even before their HBO show. That's crazy. Even before, now, Kylie was going through a... Musically, she was going through a really good period. She was working with like Nick Cave. She had like Confide in Me. People were like, oh, Kylie's cool then. But then she her films that were coming out so she'd already done Street Fighter. Yeah. Which, which I loved. Not but. well, the Washington Post didn't love it. And this I'm was, sure it sucks, but at the this, time I liked it. You know? This is how they reviewed it. They reviewed Kylie's performance in particular as being she is the worst actress in the English speaking world. Oh that's no. that's quite a bad review. No, 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 no. That's not good. And and then Biodome came out and on uh Metacritic it has a score of one out of a hundred, which is only oh. one of eleven films to do so. <laughs> so the other films are Ten Rules for Sleeping Around, never seen it. No. Chaos, inappropriate comedy, which has Ari uh, yeah. in it. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Lindsay Lohan. Uh-huh. Uh, not cool. The Garbage Pail Kids movie, which I yeah. have seen. Yeah. Uh, Death of a Nation, Hard Bodies, Mother's Day, United Passions, and one movie called The Singing Forest. Have you ever seen The Singing Forest? No. What is that? It's an American romantic fantasy film. I haven't seen it either, but the cover is two men looking like they're about to kiss, one in a singlet, the other in a Nazi uniform. <laughs> and the quote on the front of it, on the front of the cover, is by The Washington Blade, and it just says, A gay ghost? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's the only pull quote you can get from any of the people who have seen it. A, a whole bunch gay of ghost? Looking at all the reviews for it, people was like going, this is the worst film I've ever seen. And wow. one of the reviews was like, the worst film I ever saw was this like filmmaker's previous film, but this one's even worse than that. Like, yeah. Well, look, Kylie, um, bizarrely, like she was an actor first. So it is crazy to to think that she didn't really translate her stardom over to movie stardom at some point. Like she is, she looks great. She got famous as an actor in this country, at least. And and also she she was like a, yeah, true. And the UK, how come it didn't translate? I'm looking at her filmography now. She's even in some pretty good stuff. Like she's. She's in Holy Motors, which is interesting. Sample People. I forgot about her little part in Moulin Rouge. Yeah, she played Tinkerbell, um, right? Yeah, and apparently she's no, in... No, not Tinkerbell. Uh, she played the... the Oh, the Absinthe Fairy. Absinthe yeah, Fairy, that's, right, that's yeah. it. Apparently she's in San Andreas, the the movie, the 2015 movie with The Rock about an earthquake in uh, oh, California. Is, is that the one where he only has one leg? No, it's the one of the other ones. I think there's oh. like three movies that are the same premise, but yeah, in one of them he only has one leg, and this is not it. <laughs> but Kylie Minogue is in this movie. Like uh, she's in a rock movie. Why is she not a fucking movie star? I, she should do uh, like. Do you know how Mariah Carey did Precious? Mm, mm, yes. Kylie should do a gritty Australian movie. Let's the yeah. the only type of movies Australia makes. True. Either that or yeah. a or a teenage coming of age film with yeah. a fucking animal that the only, the kids the only friend is the animal. 
If we got like uh yeah, if we got like Justin Kurzel or one of those gritty Aussie filmmakers to stunt cast Kylie Minogue in a grim heroine yeah. drama. Yep. Uh, I reckon she that's perfect casting. She'd fucking pop after that. Let's and do ma- it. maybe we should pitch it to her. All right. Kylie, if you're listening, I know you do. <laughs> we know you do. <laughs> this is this is it. We're gonna get your career back on track. Yeah, because you have fallen off a little bit. Danny's getting up there. Danny's almost mm-hmm. taking the crown as the most famous Minogue. That's true. That's true. I've met Danny Minogue in real life. How was she? Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. And very funny and nice. And the well, whole she... thing was very made me very flustered. She was on the red carpet when I walked the red carpet at the Logies. She was one before me. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, the, the light bulbs were flushing for her. <laughs> and then when I walked down, it was like, who's this guy? All right. <laughs> Bring back Danny. <laughs> All right, moving on. Now, this is a band who I reckon you would like. This is Garbage mm. and their debut single, Vow. Here we go. I can't use what I can't abuse. I can't stop when it comes to you. You burn me out, but I'm back at your door. Like Jimmy Rod coming back for more. I need to die. I need to die. What do you think? I'd never, I'd never heard that song before. Oh, really? I don't think so. I, the opening line was really familiar to me, but I couldn't. The chorus didn't trigger any memories. I, you're correct in assuming that I would like garbage. I do like garbage. I think garbage are pretty sick. <laughs> it's the Scottish thing. I think it's the like semi goth, semi sexy, androgynous thing for me. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a blueprint. It's kind of a boring song. It's a bit of a blueprint for what they would do later, much more successfully. They they learned yeah. how to write a fucking hook later on, for sure. Yeah. Well, this is very much a kind of a production song. So this mm. was written before Shirley Manson was even in the band, although she did the vocals. And that opening line was actually an ad-libbed vocal that she did in her second audition with the band. Wow. She's up no there. kidding. So, so it is Butch Vig. Uh, he's the kind of the producer of Nevermind by Nirvana. Uh, he's on drums and... Uh, Two other guys, who cares? And uh, <laughs> so he was uh, kind of writing these songs with the band and he'd been working with a whole bunch of, you know, male fronted bands. And he wanted to have a band that was fronted by a female in a style of like front women like Debbie Harry, Patti Smith, Chrissy Hine, Susie Sue. Yep. And he was working on this song and some he played it to a friend of his and the friend said, this shit sounds like garbage. And so he said, oh, that's a good name for a band, Garbage. So that's why they're called Garbage. Now, Steve Marker, who is in the band, he was watching TV one day and saw a band called Angelfish. Um, Their film clip was playing and Shirley Manson was uh, the lead singer of that band. And so they contacted her management and asked if she'd like to audition. And she had no idea who Butch Vig was. And so Mm -hmm. the manager... um, said, oh, just go and look at Nevermind and read the liner notes. You might want to do this. And so she checked the liner notes and went, oh, Butch Vig produced that. Okay. So she had a terrible audition though. Uh, she said she was super, super nervous and the guys in the band couldn't understand what she was saying because of her uh, thick Scottish accent. Uh-huh. Uh, she's from Edinburgh. Yeah. And um, she went back to the band Angelfish, who at the time were supporting live of throwing copper fame yes. around. Uh, they got back. They finished the tour, the band kind of split up and she rang up the management of uh, Butch Vig and went, can I come in for another audition? And so it went for another audition 
This one, she said, was still shit, but they got on really well because they were talking about music afterwards and they had the same, like, what they liked. Also, one of the auditions was the day that uh, Butchvig found out that Kurt Cobain died as well. Oh, I mean, we, yeah. we can't blame Shirley for her having a bad audition then if that's no. what's going um, on in the background. So in the first or, or the second audition, they worked on this song and, like I said, she kind of ad-libbed some lyrics for it and she said the the inspiration from the song was there was an article in the newspaper that day of like a, a woman getting revenge on an abusive husband. Mm-hmm. And then in the press, when people were asked about it, she said it was about uh, Lorena and John Bobbitt. Uh, Now, younger listeners probably don't know who that is, but uh, if you were in the '90s and you were a comedian, you had a bit about Lorena and John Bobbitt. (laughs) You either hit Lorena Bobbitt or Monica Lewinsky. They were the two tags. If you got two, if you got both of those in your set, congratulations, you're Martin Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Lorena Bobbitt cut her husband's dick off. That Mm -hmm. is the thing, because he was he'd been abusive to her. And then uh, she drove away and was driving one-handed through the penis yep. out the window into a field. And Which you'd get a fine for now, yeah, by the way. <laughs> that town did not win the tidy town of the year that year. <laughs> she drove to a 7-Eleven, ran the cops uh, and said, this is what I've done. Um, this is where you'll find the dick. They found the dick. It got reattached. Yeah. John Bobbitt then went to star in two porn movies. Yeah. He also went to jail for sexual abuse. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, but perfect fodder for stand-up comedy. Yeah. Just this tragic cycle of violence. (laughs) It's insane how how many people made jokes about the Bobbitts through that era, really. (laughs) Yeah. When you really read the details, it's fucking horrific shit. Uh, so this song got to number 15 in the Hottest 100 that year of 95. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, big, big, big. And uh, Mushroom Records signed them. Like, and mm. uh, the the band Garbage, and especially in the UK, they're like, Mushroom Records are only known for doing the Neighbours theme. So they had mm. to set up, Mushroom had their own little uh, kind of label off the back, like just, a, you know how labels have labels within labels? Yeah. Yep. They did that just for Garbage. And uh, so they weren't, didn't say signed a mushroom. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's a, it sounds like a great song. It does sound really cool and really unique and it establishes yep. the tone that they would do from then on. But I think hook wise and, you know, vocals wise, they get better probably once Shirley's properly in the band. I, the, the first song of looking at their singles now, the first song of theirs that I like really know even just from reading the title is I think I'm paranoid yeah. and I fucking, I mean, I love that song. And then after that, there's just so many hits of yeah. theirs. Cause, cause their first album sold 4 million copies and garbage 2.0, I think sold more than that. And I agree. I think in their second album was when they really popped. It was like, yeah, yeah. there's some really good, really good songs in their career and she's Scottish. So, you know, I, I'm Scottish uh, technically. So I, you know, I have oh. a lot of love for her. Well, speaking of Scottish, our next singer speaks in a slight Scottish accent, even though he, we love him as an Aussie. This is Jimmy Barnes, <laughs> yes. still in his <laughs> yeah. cyclone phase. Yes. And this is Come Undone. Give me any warning When you 
back to the start. Um, yeah, good vocal performance on this song. Yeah, I've gotten more and more appreciative of Jimmy Barnes as I've gotten older. He's, um, I still would never like properly, I probably would never chuck an album of his on, but no. I don't mind his voice and I like a lot of his songs. So yeah. What's well, this with Cyclone? Was, you you hinted uh, that this was we, a... We, talk, we talked about it with Alex J a couple of episodes ago. So this was, he was paying off some debts. And, and this album is pretty much to pay off some debts. What he do you mean? Much, he got in some debts with uh, Australian tax department. He fled oh. Australia, was living in France at the time. He was really battling alcoholism at this stage. Um, mm. And he said um, it was like, uh, took him about two years to get himself right. Hmm. After this, although I will say this was 95, I'd say he says two years. I reckon it's a bit longer because I watched an interview with him on the panel in 99, like the Mm. Channel 10 working dog show. And in that he's got bleached hair. And I think any man man who bleaches the hair, it's time to say, are you okay? What's going on? That's not good. We can talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, whatever. This song's a bit. Meh, like doesn't really do it for me. It sounds yep. nice, but it's a bit boring. It it kind of feels out of place on this on this compilation. It, it almost feels like a label contractual obligation to put it on there or something. Yeah, well, he talks about how much uh, Michael Gudinski helped him out, and this is you know the same like Mushroom and all that kind of stuff were compiling these, and so it's clearly put it on, try and get him a bit more money, get that debt paid off a bit quicker. Oh, well, that's kind of fair enough then. And chuck it near the end of the compilation. Most kids will skip it. That's fine. (laughs) Something for for the parents if they've sat through I Kiss Your Lips. Yeah. Um, All right, moving on. A song, a band we've talked about a bit in the past, but fuck, I I do love this song. This is Mental's Anything and their cover of the Reckless Eric song, Whole Wide World. When I was a young boy, my mama said to me, there's only one girl in the world for you. She probably lives in Tahiti. Go the whole wide world, go the whole wide world just to find her. It's just two chords, Cam. Yeah, that's all you need. Like Roadrunner. Such a good song. Such a good song. I I love it. I think I'd never even heard this version of it, which is crazy because that's the probably the most popular one, right? This is yeah. the charting one. Well, Green Day uh, covered it two years ago, and I think that's oh. now the most popular version of it. But the Monkees did a cover of it as well. Yeah, I've heard the Monkees cover. I'm a bit yeah. of a bit of a fan of the Monkees. The Proclaimers did a cover. Oh yeah, it's a very Proclaimers type of song, isn't it? Paul Westerberg did a cover. Who's Paul Westerberg? Um, Paul Westerberg, American. Um, Some guy. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to look it up because I'm going to say it and then who will go, how the fuck did you think he was in that band? I thought he was in uh, The Replacements, but he might not be. Paul Westerberg. Yes, he was. Yes, he was the Replacements? Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. There yeah. you go. Yeah, there you go. I've got to be careful. Sometimes on on the other podcast, I could say shit and then who cares if it's wrong. I don't know if you know this. You probably do doing a film uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. If you say the wrong thing, people come for you. They really yeah, yeah. they really want you to fuck it up. People will cut your fucking head off if you make yeah. a mistake. <laughs> um, anyway, this was originally the Reckless Eric one was released in 1977 on Stiff Records, the, the famous uh, punk uh, label. Uh, many consider it one of the greatest punk singles of all time. Uh, Nick Lowe produced it and is playing bass and, and guitar on the original. Uh, Eric, though, himself was unimpressed with being on Stiff Records. He left the label in 1980 and continued in the music industry. And uh, he said in his autobiography, he then took up a full-time career as an alcoholic. So there you go. That's not really a career, though, is it? 
I don't think so. You don't, don't get paid. paid. Don't have yeah. a TFN. <laughs> uh, but by 89, he was off the source and he went and lived in um, France. Okay. On a, with, near some vineyards, but he was not drinking by that stage. So, yeah. So did he did he end up travelling the whole wide world or was it still just, just France and Fr- New York France, or wherever he's from? No, he's from, he's from the UK. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd say, I don't know. The thing, this is the, I love this song because Aid Edmondson, when I hosted uh, Speaks and Specs, came mm. on and did a cover of this song. Right. And it was very funny because he was do- Aid Edmondson from The Young Ones yeah. was doing his tour with his band hmm. and that was the reason why he wanted to come on to talk about music. And it was fucking great. Yeah, of And course. then they were like, what do you want to do at the end? And he said, oh, I'll do a song on the mandolin. That's the instrument he plays. And he chose this song. And so he goes, oh, he's chosen a song that people aren't going to know. And I'm like, mm. oh, no, this is a, it's a great song. It's, it's really good. And because so I'm like, oh, they wanted him to do like a Clash song or the Sex Pistols because his whole thing was doing punk songs. Sure, yeah. But they chose this. And I'm like, this is such a better song to do on the mandolin. It's just two chords. It's, it was great. It was such a good ending to the show. I love Aid. Um, That's so cool. Is that video up online? I no, I thought it was. And he invited me personally to his um, show that uh, the night. And I didn't go. I don't know why. I was tired. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I was tired and I just didn't go. And I wish I did. <laughs> That's life um, though, man. That's Life is just looking back years later and being yeah. like, why, why didn't I go to that fucking thing I could have gone to? Yeah. Because I'd hung out with him I told him how influential Bottom was to me as a teenager I said I loved it so much I watched the live shows every day for the holidays Still didn't go watch his music set (laughs) I was tired, I had kids (laughs) Um, Hey, and also this song Also is in a very uh, important bit of the film Stranger Than Fiction Will Ferrell sings it to Maggie Gyllenhaal of course. Yeah. I was as I was listening to it just then I was thinking I know it's in a movie soundtrack somewhere but I can't place it right now. But yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Stranger than fiction, an underrated movie, I would yeah. say. Yeah. I didn't I didn't mind it. I, although I did watch it on a on a flight so I can't really say if yeah. it was good or not, but it was It's just, a perfect plane movie, really. Yeah. It was fine. Speaking of perfect. Yeah. Not too many songs come along that are just Absolutely perfect. The reason, Cam, I asked you to be on this podcast. This is a band out of Sydney. A one and done band. That's it. Once you once you hit perfection, you don't need to do any more albums. This is the Vaughns and their song Who Farted. Oh God! <laughs> oh. Australia doesn't have culture, really. <laughs> it's actually really offensive to be asked on this podcast based on that song alone. Like, I, I can't be anything other than really offended by that. I, I, I'm so, I should have I should have done it with Grace Jarvis last week to see her take on it. <laughs> so this band, as you mentioned, are a one and done band. 1995, they had their only album called Crap Rap. Yep. But have you been on their Triple J Unearthed profile? Yeah, I, I saw it this morning. Because it looks like they put two more songs out in 2008. They're back, baby. They're back. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the songs is called Hemorrhoid. Yeah, they, we, they don't really move much from <laughs> their source material. Because... 
so I didn't. This was their second single, by the way. This was well, not the opening. They had another single called "Curry in a Hurry," oh. brackets Poppadom, which <laughs> let me tell you, Cameron, has not dated well. I bet. Do they, Bunch of uh, white dudes in turbans wobbling their head a lot. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, do they use that fabulous little fart sound effect throughout Curry in a Hurry as well? Yeah. Well, it's, it appears that curry is the only only meal ever that actually makes you shit. I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> for some people, no other food makes them shit. It's just curry. Yeah. Just curry. Yeah. This song is um, very, was such a huge playground hit. Yep. When I was in school, it was a song that people would sing. I think I heard people sing it on the playground like years before I ever even heard the song. <laughs> there was a kid in my year called Nathan Walsh who would sing it and people would gather around to listen wow. to him sing this song. In my day, it was Ip Dip Dog Shit, You're not, You Are Not It. In, <laughs> that's, in yours. A, that's a good song too. It's a good tune. But this um, one was such a huge hit. It was this one and uh, the two songs I remember from being playground hits were this one and the other one that I that we talked about last time I was on the show, which is Asshole by Dennis Leary. Oh, yeah. Um, Nathan Walsh would sing both of those songs to an audience and absolutely crush on the playground. Well, this was got to number 43 in Australia on the charts. Yeah. Well, 54 of the hottest 100 of 95. Mm. So please use that when anyone says music... The hottest 100 these days is shit. It yeah. was way better back in the 90s. It used to be good back when the Vaughns were charting. <laughs> <laughs> you said Vaughns almost like you said Vines. I really would love <laughs> Craig Nichols from the Vines to a cover of Who Farted by the That's Vaughns. That's a great split, Bill. The Vaughns and the Vines. That's Too the late Sydney. show. Hey, we've got, the, we've got the Vines. What? I thought you said the Vaughns. Oh. <laughs> um, they played this live on the NRL footy show. Of course they did. Of course. Of course, of Fatty course. Vorton. Um, and this was, wow. this is marketing genius. So in Australia, on the VHS copy of Dumb and Dumber, if you yep. borrowed that, yep, 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 yep if you yep, borrowed yep. that from a blockbuster, mm -hmm. a video easy, this song would be on the front before you watch the film, just after some previews for some other films coming up, this single would be there. It You'd sure watch was. And I, I think it was even interspliced with some footage from the movie, the film clip. Amazing. I Yeah, I big memory of that. That's crazy to me. I mean, what a huge get for the Vaughns. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know, I guess because they're signed a roadshow, it looks like. So it must have been like some, just some savvy distributor going, you know what? People who are renting this will also love this. And maybe we yeah. can push the single this way. Yep. It's smart. It's smart, smart, but I wonder if it worked. Probably not, because we've never heard of the Vaughn since. <laughs> they got their money and they left. <laughs> All right. Now, what we're going to do, Cam, is we're going to go through these and see how many hits there yeah. actually are. Is it a machine of hits or not? So let's go through it. So the first one, we had Herbie, I believe. Is that a hit? Mm, uh, yes. I'll give that a hit. Yeah. Okay. I Kiss Your Lips by Tokyo Ghetto Pussy. Absolutely not. <laughs> Be My Lover by LaBouche. Yeah, definitely. I think it hit too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Graham, Absolute Essential. Well, you had a soft spot for it, maybe more than me, but I think it was still good, you know. It was all right. I yeah. think the chorus, the, the verses were pretty boring. So you're going to say hit? Ah, mm, uh, nah. No. Sorry, Jackie. Hoops Incorporated, Joy. No. <laughs> Not a hit. <laughs> Could be up there with his Johnny as one of the worst. Uh, Kylie Minogue, Where Is The Feeling? No, sorry, Kylie. Garbage, Val. Oh, yeah, why not? I'll give it to him. It's unique and it's pretty rare to have on this compilation something that sounds like that. So, yeah. yeah. Come Undone by Barnsey. Sorry, Barnsey. Whole Wide World by Mental as Anything. Yeah, for sure. For the Reg Mombasa artwork alone. Yeah. <laughs> and the Vaughns who farted. <sighs> it's a hit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. It's a hit. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but it sticks in your head, man. <laughs> and they need to have another album. They need to. Five out of ten. That is it. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I was ready to shit on it, but I, I was won over by the first fart sound. <laughs> well, there is also, I, I didn't play this, but I think later on there's a fart solo. Like, I, let's see if... 
Grammys the other day when they had 50 years of hip hop. Yeah. They should have they should have had that in there. Uh, thank you so much yeah. for doing this, Cam. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That um, was fun. All right. Hey, thanks everyone uh, for being Patreon subscribers. You're the absolute best. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode on the main feed with Goldstein. I had a lot of fun. I'm a bit worried. I haven't I haven't put it out yet, Cam. And there's Why? a few things in there which uh, starts off just us talking about not getting pubes till very late and it doesn't doesn't progress from there (laughs) it was good i liked it anyway that's all for me we'll see you next time bye see ya Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.